Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thomas, he could give the Nuggets the lead here. Down by one, Isaiah, long range. Yeah! Pandemonium at Pepsi Center. Nuggets first lead since 8-6. Their only lead in the ballgame. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to The Dig. I'm your host, Nick. I'm joined by Jeremy. How are things Yo. in Philly, Jeremy? Um, went to that Nuggets game in Philly. Um, not the oh, best one sweet. to be at. Yeah, but yeah, man, have things changed as far as like the Philly fan base goes, which I, I guess is to be expected. But I was there for a Nuggets game uh, four years ago, three or four years ago, and uh, paid seventy five dollars for two seats in a good section, and and this time around paid even more than that for just one seat in a way worse section. So. Really? It's it's crazy. Yeah, and it was empty when I went that first time. And this time around, just completely crazy. These people completely out of their minds. <laughs> oh, so they're actually Philly fans there. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He- Walking out, I overheard somebody behind me. I mean, to keep in mind, uh, my wife is wearing a Nuggets sweater, and I'm wearing a, a Nuggets shirt. I was wearing my Denver Hold Stitch on, shirt. Your wife from Philly was wearing Nuggets gear. Sweet. Yeah, she, she's converted. She is converted. But uh, so at a certain you know, we're stuck in that line trying to get to the, the elevator. It's the same thing on in, in any arena. Just imagine the Pepsi Center at the top trying to make it to the, the elevator on the way out. And I hear right behind me, I hear I hear one guy saying, uh, um, yeah, they just wouldn't let they wouldn't get off of Simmons in the paint. They were fouling him left, left and right like. Oh, what did they say? They said, um, like, it's it's fine to, to to not call it, but but do that both ways. Like, call it the same both ways is what they were saying. <laughs> and so that's so I, I had to I turned around and I said, uh, didn't didn't your guys get 15 more free throw shots than the Nuggets did? And it, it turns out yeah. it was actually I think it was 19 more. They were at the line 19 more times. And he was, and like, then you you got hit in the head with a battery. <laughs> yeah, then I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I was worried about that all game actually at uh-huh. different points. Oh yeah, we had we had one of those guys right next to us who was intentionally like yelling in my wife's face. Um, oh yeah, anytime that the Phillies did anything or Phillies that Philadelphia did anything good, but no, he was actually he just said yeah, and then and then before you knew it, we were we were. Uh, talking about how excited we are for both our teams to uh, to take over our conferences. He had a lot of respect for the Nuggets, so that was actually pretty nah, cool to hear. I don't like this. I, I don't like you trying to present Philly fans like they have a soul. Those are some <laughs> terrible, terrible people. Oh no, well, I, <laughs> no. The problem is that that's all they have. That that's the problem. Like, just try and put in a little rationality in there. No, ask for a little bit of uh, logic. No. Kind of an odd stretch for the Nuggets the last couple of weeks. We had a three-game losing streak. 
Um, we had a couple of gritty wins. Uh, the Heat win was solid. The defense bounced back. They pulled one out a couple of nights ago against Sacramento. But it's been sort of an up and down stretch. And I guess that's to be expected since they they have so many moving parts right now. There's a lot of pieces being added into the lineups right now. We have uh, IT playing his first game. uh, And we'll get more into that as we go along. Um, We have players like Barton who are back from injury now for a a few weeks. uh, Still trying to to find their role and find their their groove and get back to being healthy. Sort of an up and down, just kind of a, a the Nuggets really crawled into the All Star break. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Right. They they needed this break. It's coming at a really good time, um, and and hopefully on the other side of this, we're going to see a refreshed team with some things to some things to figure out, but but maybe a little bit better sense of of what to do moving forward. The theme. Yeah, so the theme we're going to develop for this episode is musical chairs. And that's because we're going into the into the home stretch now. Um the playoff music is 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 starting to, to crank up. And the Nuggets have a lot of pieces in the air. They're they're they have a lot of guys uh that are in undefined roles right now and Michael Malone's got to figure out some stuff with this team and we want to look at where are we going to be at by the time the playoffs roll around. So who, who's going to be starting? Um, who's going to be getting major minutes, minutes off the bench? Uh, what are they going to do about uh, some of the issues that they have with lineups and matchups and those kinds of things? Yeah, this is an interesting situation. Um, even to me who, um, I'm, I guess what I would call a original and original lineup maximalist where I believe OG lineup. Right. All the way back to yonder days in last October. Um, (laughs) But the reality is those five guys don't have they they haven't caused the best record in Nuggets history going into the All-Star. break. Yeah. So by OG lineup, we're talking Murray, Harris, Barton, Rel Sapjokic. Right. And and as much as. I think that is the ideal lineup for the Nuggets. Um, there's completely room to to dive in here and really get to the bottom of it and see things a few different ways because those guys don't – that lineup does not deserve credit for this team's success. It has been all of well, these Well, they've barely even played together. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, so, so musical chairs is so fitting because we've seen success come from – any of these people, uh, any of the, the Nuggets players on this team in a, a variety of different ways. And so it really is one of these things of when the music stops, um, who's who's going to be there and who should be there uh, taking care of things for us as we uh, as we take this best record the Nuggets have ever had at this point and try and move it into the playoffs and see what we can do. Nuggets have had some good teams over the years. Think about that. Best record at the All-Star break. Yeah, than, I always think I'm the Doug Mo teams. I always think I miss saying it. I always think like I'm missing yeah. a stat somewhere or missing uh yeah, but before this or that. But no, it it is what it is. This is the best Nuggets at this point in the season. It's it's weird. I mean, and it's been a continual theme on this podcast and I know uh, among Nuggets fans throughout the season is this kind of constant unease about 
Is this team for real? Is what we're seeing going to last? Is this a fluke? And I mean, at this point, we can say that the Nuggets are legit contenders. This is a solid playoff team. But I'm also not not sure that I've quite seen a team that has so many question marks going into the playoffs. I mean, especially as like a second seed in the Western Conference, which is incredibly difficult to you know, to achieve what the Nuggets have done has been incredible. Um, but they've done it with such a mis- mismatched group of players and and uh, and and no consistency, really, in lineups or in production. Um, you know, with a few exceptions, Jokic has been obviously the cornerstone of this team. And he's been the driving force in what's made them successful. And and really it all starts with him. And then there's a lot of pieces around him that can fit in in different ways. And and the Nuggets play differently with different kinds of lineups um, and, and different players are working differently with Jokic. Um, but I'm not, yeah, this is kind of unprecedented. And so, yeah, let's, let's tease out, you know, some of these complications that the Nuggets have to work through right now. Nice. Let's, let's tease it out. All right, so we're going to play a little buy or sell. First topic, buy or sell the Nuggets as the second best team in the West? I'm I'm buying that. Um, at this point, uh, they're at 39 and 18. They're two games behind the Warriors. Um, they're in second seed. So if you drop down to the fourth seed, the Trailblazers, they're seven games behind the Warriors. There's a five-game difference between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, that's pretty large at this point. Um, So really the only team that we're talking about that could be in the conversation for second best team in the West would be the Thunder, who are a game and a half behind us. And when it comes down to that, I just think I'm going to look at it as a head-to-head way of of, of seeing it where I think the Nuggets just have the Thunder. We've beat them now six out of the last seven matchups. We just seem to have their number. And this year, it hasn't really been that close. The The first win, we beat them by seven. The win after that, we beat them by 11. And if you were watching either of those games, it was pretty, pretty solid. It, it was solid the whole way through the game. And then by the last few minutes, it really just started turning into, uh, you know, an episode of General Hospital or some drama because... Uh, Westbrook knew that they had lost, and so he was going to throw a fit. So I'm I'm not too scared of that. Yeah. Um. So so what you're addressing is that the, you you believe they're the second best team. Are they the second seed? By the time this shakes out, I'm not sure about that. But I do agree with you that the Nuggets can take the Thunder in a seven game series. I am pretty confident about that, but I'm not confident that the thunder aren't going to leapfrog the nuggets before the playoffs in the standings. Um, I think when they get Roberson back and they just added Markeith Morris a few minutes ago, as we're recording (laughs) this, um, (laughs) they have, they've put together a pretty beefy defensive juggernaut, that team. And I don't, I don't know that anybody saw Paul George playing MVP level this year. Maybe some people did, but I, regardless, he's, I mean, he's the best, he's the best player on that team right now. Forget uh, Russell Westbrook's doing, doing some great stuff. Um, 
the the last 10 games or whatever with his triple double streak. But Paul George is the reason the team is where they are right now. Well, right. As much as he's improved, West Westbrook's shot has completely fallen off this season. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, it's even worse than it's been in the past. But somehow they've been able to get around that. It hasn't it hasn't hurt them as much this year, I think, because of Paul George's play. Um and so yeah, I mean when we start adding in their defensive abilities, I I and and the the fact that they consistently show up on the defensive end and then have two superstars that they can rely on uh to get them through some tough stretches. I could see them leap leapfrogging the Nuggets. They're only a game and a half back, two games back. But I agree with you. In a seven-game series, I'll take the Nuggets in that series. Um we we definitely have had their number. Russell Westbrook goes bonkers shooting threes in the playoffs and he shoots him t- his, his team <laughs> out of games all the time. Um, and yeah, all the way back in Kevin Durant days. Yeah. He's done it for his entire career. He's terrible at shooting. How many la- last second threes did he take with Kevin Durant next to him? Just the most idiotic. And somehow ever. Ben Simmons knows he can't shoot threes. So he doesn't shoot them. Russell Westbrook knows he right. can't shoot threes, but he shoots six a game. I don't, I don't understand why he can't just say, look, I'm going to use the strengths that I have the best way that I have to use them. And I'm going to not shoot threes because I am terrible at shooting threes, but he can't do it. He wants to be Steph Curry or something. I don't know what, yeah. what it is. Well, it's it's one of those all or nothing mentalities. The same mentality that uh, that makes him as great as he does is the same mentality that hurts won't him. let him overcome his shortcomings. Yeah, no, you're totally right. He, he is like a perfect example of your, your strength can be your weakness too. Um, and that's why, yeah, I just don't, I don't think they have enough to, ha- to hang with the nuggets. Now that series would come down to whether or not the nuggets can play consistent defense over the course of a seven game series. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent confident about that after what we've seen this last uh, month or so. But, um, but if they play defense the way that they've played it in stretches this year, then I, I think I think we're looking at the second best team in the West. But this also brings up a point. I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. That Can you remember a time when the second seed in the West was given such little respect as the Nuggets are given this year? I mean, generally speaking, the narrative yeah, no, that I'm crazy. seeing nationally is not, man, the Nuggets are a big threat to the Warriors in the West. But last year... The Rockets, who went back and forth with the Warriors for the first seed and ultimately ultimately ended up getting the first seed, uh, the entire season, the 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 narrative was the, the Rockets were the big threat to the Warriors. Over the last seven years before that, there's only been a couple other teams who were even in the mix with the Warriors. That was the Spurs and then like a season with the Thunder. Um, and they were always considered legit threats to the Warriors. But this year, the Nuggets are being completely written off. Yeah, I went back and looked. Uh, you brought this up to me earlier, and it's interesting. Over the past seven years, there's actually only been four teams to ever occupy the first or second seed in the West going into the All-Star break, and that's the Warriors, the Thunder, the Spurs, and the Rockets. And, uh, you know, I'm even thinking back to, to six or seven years ago, and yeah, everybody generally always took these teams seriously. If if any, I'd say it's the Warriors, who at this point are obviously seen as the best team in the NBA year after year. But if anything, it was maybe seven years ago, um, six or seven years ago, when they were first starting to show up. 
where people, they were just coming out of that um, kind of debacle where they were starting Curry with, uh, who was their other point guard? Monte Ellis. They didn't even know who the point guard was. Yeah, Ellis, yeah. Uh, and so there were a lot of question marks. And Wait, I said Monte. If, Monta? If anything, was if, it Monta Ellis? Or was it Mon- no, it was Monte, I think. Oh, yeah, it was Monta Ellis. Well, I think it was spelled yeah, that way. That's but what you get for being a hometown fan. Um, But no, yeah, it, so it's actually kind of interesting. The closest team I can think of to be as disrespected as the Nuggets are would be the Warriors s- seven years ago or six years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of but, is uh, that that nationally people that aren't watching the nuggets just don't see Jokic as a superstar on the level of Giannis, Kawhi, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George. They don't see him as one of the guys who can lead a team through a playoff series or two and, and pose a legit threat to the warriors. Because if you look at just the total uh, level of talent and the depth on this team, I mean, it's hard to find another team that has depth from 1 to 10, 1 to 12, like the Nuggets do. Um, And it's hard to find a team that's done what they've done. I mean, there's only really two, three other teams this year who have played consistently as well as the Nuggets have. So why the disrespect? And I think this really comes down to just a view that Jokic is like a nice player. Like, he's cute. Yeah, he's oh oh cool. He's he like passes. He's a big guy that passes. That's that's cool. Like they're gonna win some regular season games and just totally disrespecting him as a legit force in a in a playoff series. But I mean, I get earning it. Um, I think there's no excuses after this season. But uh, he's never he hasn't played a single playoff game. So right, I understand being national media and you're already doing all you can. Just think of how much effort we put into watching the Nuggets, one team. And to be national media and to be trying to keep up with uh, all the blips on the radar. And I, I understand Jokic um, being a very soft bl- blip blimp. He's also a very soft yeah, blimp, he is actually. A soft blimp. He needs to work on that. <laughs> but uh, it gets to the point, here we are two-thirds of the way through the season, where you need to start digging into what's going on in the West. What's going on with this team that's now second in the West? And that was first in the West almost the entire season. Like that's when you have to start doing your homework and start really taking a look at what the Nuggets are doing. But I could talk about that forever. Yeah. Um, next next point: buy or sell the Nuggets going with a three guard lineup. So I'm going to buy this, uh, but I I'm buying it for the rest of the regular season. Um, I I think the Nuggets should be starting their best five players. Um. Wh- uh, obviously, you know, with with the exception of uh, or, or, or with the understanding that you have to fill certain roles um, on the lineup. But Monte Morris has been their best point guard this year so far. I don't see that changing um, by the end of the year. Now, the question is, is what Jamal Murray brings as a starter more important, even though he's maybe not like a traditional point guard? is what he brings more important than what Monte brings as a more traditional point guard. I think, no, I, I really like Monte. They're both guards though. Right. So yeah, exactly. So this is why I'm, I'm for the three guard lineup because I like the idea of starting Monte Murray. And then we get a question of who do you, who do you start at small forward, whether it's, it's Beasley Harris or Barton. Um, I've seen enough from Barton at this point that I'm ready to put him on the bench personally. Um, I don't, I, 
maybe he's not fully healthy yet. Maybe he doesn't totally have his game back yet. Uh, that's that would be even perfectly understandable. It's that's not really a question of it, it, this isn't like a, a personal attack against Barton and his abilities or anything like that. But he's not been good since he's been back for for whatever whatever the reason is. And I think either Beasley or Harris makes more sense, even though they might be giving up a couple of inches at the small forward spot. So it really, I think the question is, do you, do you value having a couple of inches on defense versus having more consistent play, uh, maybe better shooting and maybe better defense overall, as opposed to just the size you're giving up by moving Barton to the bench. Um, or, or, or is it, is it, is it necessary to just let Barton keep playing for the next couple of months, hoping that he gets his, his game back? Um, I don't see why he can't do that from the bench. Well, let me, I'll just define what, the way I'm seeing it. I'm selling the three guard lineup as a starting unit, but I'm buying it as a lineup they need to do more of. Um, that's, it's, it's a lineup that what, what you sacrifice when you do that is versatility. That that's, that's where the, the, the quality teams in the NBA, that's where they're able to prove consistency is by having a versatile lineup. Tonight we match up against these guys and we match up well against them and we crush them. The next night we don't actually match up that well against these guys, but we have the versatility to overcome it. So we still get a win, scrape by with a win anyway. When you go with three things like three guard lineups, you're 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 making yourself a very oddly shaped Tetris piece that will completely own certain certain games but you'll also not fit it all against others and that's like i think back to the phoenix suns um the d'antoni phoenix suns that would score you know 150 points a game but still get nowhere in the playoffs um so so i love i love some of these three guard lineups but uh but those should not be uh starting um but you were talking about this quite a bit so let's just go ahead and get into it <laughs> I'm not going to guess, but the question buying or selling Barton as the starting small forward. Yeah, I'm selling it. I don't care that he's two inches taller What? than Gary Harris. <laughs> like he's not playing defense. He's not shooting particularly well. He dribbles too much. He's sloppy with the ball. He's averaging 12 points since he came back or something. And he's a net negative on the team right now. I just don't, I don't see the argument for starting Barton so that he can like get healthy or get back to, to, to where he was last year, which honestly, I've always been a, a critic of Barton. I didn't really like his game that much last year, but, but he's not playing even as well as he did last year um, by even close to as well as he did last year. So I don't understand this, the argument for starting him right now. If you're saying you're starting him because we need more size at the small forward, then you probably go with somebody like Wancho or Tory Craig over Barton right now. Um, although Wancho has really taken a step back and I'm not really sure, you, you know, what that's a result of. So the, this, the, the small forward position is a problem. Um, right now because you have Barton not playing well. Then you have a bunch of guards who are playing well, who are a little bit undersized for small forward. I guess I'm just saying I would preference going with a guy like Beasley who is shooting lights out, has been playing fantastic. He's averaging over 20 points a game in February. I would rather see a guy like that starting and, and, and who has athleticism and who 
really hustles on defense. I would rather see that than starting Barton because of a, a like a size advantage or something. All right. Well, I am buying Barton as our starting small I forward. I bet you are. And <laughs> the biggest <laughs> reason is because we don't have a small forward. We don't have any quality small forwards who could possibly contend for that position to play it well. And when you run into that position where you don't have what you want, you either wind up doing A, going with a weaker version of what you want, or B, going with a better player who does something completely different. And that's the way you're going with Beasley. That guy is not a small forward. He will never be a small forward, but he's good at what he does. So I understand that that you're picking him to fill in there. You're saying, okay, we can't get a small forward, anybody who fits that size, that role, but I want a good player in, so I'm going with Beasley. Well, I'm going the other direction where I want a player who fits the mold of my ideal Jokic lineup who might not be as good as, as what I want to see, but he's doing all the same things that I want from that position. Barton offers a couple of things. He offers a very threatening penetration into the paint. That's one thing that he has done de- decently well lately. Um, as as last as that Kings game was a good Barton game. He played really well in that game, and a lot of what he did was by shaking things up by yeah. being able to get into the paint. See, this is we just when things became we just fundamentally disagree. I thought he was absolute trash in that game. Like I thought, that's crazy. I thought it was one of the worst games I've seen him play all season. He was, I, I oh, that's crazy. No, he was terrible on defense, horrible on defense. I thought he was probably their worst defensive player actually in that game. And I heard you calling out Monte Morris in that game. I, I mean, Monte had a couple of lapses, but I thought Barton was way worse on defense. Um, I also thought Barton had some really stupid passes he had some uh some drives into the lane where he turned it over late in the game and this was my this is a big problem i had with him last year is he he always wants the ball at the end of the game and he always ends up over dribbling and he turns it over a lot it seems like more than he does something that's beneficial okay so so let let me let me take a step back well let me finish up with with barton as as what he brings as a player and then i'll talk about the lineup with him in it what he brings as a player is is not just that penetration but the playmaking as well. What he's able to do, um, and and I think specifically at six six, but also just um, intellectually, um, ba- you know, basketball IQ um, and the athleticism that he has to be able to get the ball in the most important place in the world, Jokic's hands when he's in a good position to do so, even when he's in a, a bad position and you have nothing else going on. Barton's proved to be able to do that for him. It's easy. We've seen Murray grow. He's still not where he should be as far as being able to get the ball to Jokic. Um, but we've seen Murray develop a hundred new tricks all in different directions. It's been really encouraging to me because, because he's, he's faced a lot of um, hurdles where he, he goes, okay, I, if I can't do that, then I'll just have to do something different. And, and he's, it's, he's really showed effort to, to persevere that for Barton. It just comes naturally. He's just, he's able to, to, to do that. And, a lot of the reason for him being effective at that, I think, is because people do view him as a shooting threat. In the mold of KD, KD is a guy who averages almost six assists a game. Is that because he has the skills of, of a point guard? I don't think so. I think it's because he's such a, a shooting threat and a penetrating threat that it it gets guys overcompensating and it opens up lanes for him to be able to find a guy in a, in a good position. 
He's creating offense for other people. Barton, to me, is doing the same thing. Now, he hasn't done a great job of it so far. Yeah, see, that's what I I think you're talking about a hypothetical Barton. I think you're saying like Barton has these skills. I'm talking about a low sample size Barton, not a hypothetical. Like, so you feel like you're seeing this from him now? I'm see. I'm. I've been seeing more of it lately, like over the past week and a half, two weeks, and I certainly saw it uh, preseason and you know that first game and a half. Um, so we're not talking about a lot of minutes, but we are talking about some minutes. So let's talk okay. about the lineup. Yeah, you you were talking about his his defense. He in in Nuggets lineups over thirty minutes or more that have played together. He's in the second ranked defensive lineup. That lineup is also the first ranked lineup in offensive production with 46 minutes played, which isn't a lot. But honestly, at this point in the season, it's not a little either. Um, that's actually I can count it up. That's the 10th most played lineup for the Nuggets. Um, that's, of course, the, the OG lineup that I was talking to, to to start the show off. It's Jokic and Millsap. It's. Uh, on the front court, it's the back court of Murray and Harris, and it's Barton at small forward. It, they're the number one offense, and they're the second ranked defense in in terms of lineups over thirty minutes a game, or or over thirty minutes played. Sorry, yeah, so it's it's a matter of fit. Thirty minutes is I, another I thing don't... we talk about is well, go yeah, okay, Sorry. but if you go back to last season, we got over 70 minutes of it, and that was also their biggest in plus minus, their best lineup in plus minus. It was completely underused last season, but it's because they had different people. They had Chandler on the team as well, so they didn't go to it much. But between last season and this season, all you're seeing is positive things. And like I said, at this point in the season, 46 minutes, while it's not a lot, it's not a little. Their, their highest lineup is 184 minutes. You know, they have six lineups with over a hundred minutes. And so 46 minutes is decent enough to say, let's keep going with that. And when you factor in health and guys coming back, it, to me, it's a no brainer. You, you, you throw in the fact that, that you don't have any other small forwards to take care of it. And it's a no brainer. And then one thing on top of that is this is the offense I want to see. If it's not Will Barton, it's somebody else doing the same thing, just better. So I want to see that third playmaker in the starting lineup. And Barton is the only guy on the Nuggets um, not named Murray or, or – I'm not going to put Morris in there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going not to do that. But um, I don't think 46 minutes together is a objective proof that this is their best lineup. I think that's too small of a sample size to make that kind of claim. What I'm saying is go for it. I'm not saying this is. I'm saying go for it. And you're saying don't go for it. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying let Barton figure out how to play basketball again from the bench. That's what I'm saying. Uh, because he's not playing well right now. That's I, I don't see to me. It's not so much about Matt. It's like it's like I feel like what you're saying is, well, Barton is like the only actual player who can fill the role that I imagine that I want to be filled. So he needs to be the one doing it instead of saying Barton is not as good as Malik Beasley is right now. They're similar size. They have a, they, 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 they can, they can defend similar players. So on offense, who is 
the better fit right now. And I would say it's the guy shooting 43% from three. I I understand that that Barton might bring a little bit of playmaking ability that Beasley doesn't have, but I don't think it's that much. And I think the negatives outweigh any playmaking ability that he has. And I would rather see that playmaking ability yeah. be made up by bringing in like Monte Morris into the starting lineup. I'd rather see Monte and, and Jamal Murray and like Malik Beasley. So, so Beasley's not the third playmaking option. You'd have Monte, Jamal and Jokic as the playmakers. I would rather see something like that than to see Barton struggle the way that he has been just because he could be the I right guy. That's a, that's, I think an effective lineup, what you just said with Monte and Jamal and, and Beasley at the three, but that is an odd shaped Tetris piece sure, that, yeah. that to me will only work part of the time. Yo, you're to probably me, that's not a starting it is, unit. It's kind of a matchup. The verse. Yeah. It depends right. on matchups. Um, right. And these are people, these are human beings. They're not, they're not shapes that you can move into place. And so you can't go from this game and slot these guys in and then go to the next game and slot those guys in part of the, part of the success we have, I think is owed to, to Malone for, uh, for making these guys believe in him and they have a personal relationship together. And for Malone to all of a sudden start shifting lineups, depending on who he's playing to me, I think that's, I think, um, I think you're playing with fire if you go well, down. They've that been path. shifting lineups all year because of injuries. So of I don't health, right. I mean, I I don't know that they have I mean, we, we know that they have a hypothetical A lineup that they were planning on running with this year. We never got that lineup, so it's been musical chairs all the way through, basically. Well, now, um, now I'm having a hard time understanding. You you were saying you were saying that the lineup of Murray, Morris, and Beasley would be uh just depending on matchups. Yeah, so I'm saying I, I'm you saying saying I could that see that he that, should change things up going uh, no, forward. I'm saying I could see that lineup struggling against certain matchups. I don't know that I have a problem adjusting a player or two on the starting lineup based on matchup right now because right. I don't think they have a perfect lineup. I don't, I don't think there is a silver bullet. But we're not going to find out unless we try it. Well, we can find out by letting him play from the bench. No, you can't do and that. Get his game like, let me let me share back. with you a personal story. <laughs> when I moved to Colorado <laughs> from the Bay Area, I played soccer uh, very very um, what's the word? Not professionally, but I played um, in as prestigious of soccer leagues as I could find in in the Bay Area. Yeah, and I played goalie. And when I tried out for the high school soccer team of this new high school that I moved to where I didn't know anybody. The coaches didn't know me. They kept having me play, uh, play like forward. <laughs> like <laughs> I never played forward before, but I, I, I think I was a pretty good goalie. I, I, in the Bay area, I even got a call up to the, uh, the Olympic youth team to try out for the youth team. You would have gone goalie. pro at goalie. If they would have just known the position to put you in. I could have. Yeah. Exactly. So you get it. Yeah, I get it. That's the whole point. All right. Barton starts. So I wasn't, I didn't even make the team. I did not even make the high school team. Yeah. Of course I was playing football at the time. The coach said, you just go play football. But I knew he saw me suck and, and said, I don't want this guy. And it's because I was playing forward with a bunch of people <laughs> I didn't know. So if you, if you stick Barton in the, in the, the, the bench, he's going to look like he did last year. And last year's not fair. You brought that up earlier. What Barton looks like playing with the backup unit is not at all what he has to offer to a lineup of Jokic and Millsap and Murray and Harris.
And now, For Some Reason, A Basketball Haiku by Nicholas Herzog. Ring around the court. Pockets full of shooting guards. Anyone seen a forward? Predictions. All right, so it's been a couple of months since we did a predictions segment. Um, we've done okay on a couple of our predictions so far this year. We've missed on a few others. That's the way this goes. But we're going to look ahead and make some predictions about the final two months of the season as we go into playoffs. Where are the Nuggets going to finish, Jeremy? They're going to finish number two. And I think they're going to finish right on the heels of the Warriors. I think they're... What, were they a game and a half behind right now? Um, two games behind right now? I think they. I think that sounds about right to me. I think they wind up being two to three games behind them by the end of the season. I've got them finishing third. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the Thunder leapfrog them by the end of the season. Um, I think the Thunder's consistency on defense and the play that they're getting out of Paul George on a nightly basis, combined with. Um, Westbrook's triple double streak that he's on right now, which is pretty crazy. I think that's going to be enough in the regular season um, for them to get past the nuggets. Cause I think the next couple of months, the nuggets are going to be working through some issues with their lineups and trying to iron out um, who the starters are and, and what the best uh, rotations are. So I'm going to say that, that OKC is able to win a couple more games than the nuggets over the next two months. Yeah, I mean, they've got two more games against the Clippers, two more games against the Timberwolves. Both those teams at this point are are in tanking mode. Um, so I'm a, I'm a lot less uh, worried about our uh, end-of-season schedule than I was before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still going to be That's close. That's the edge I'm giving them. Yeah, mm-hmm. regardless, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close. And, and, I mean, what we're saying here, both of us, is that they're going to finish in the top four – which means they're going to have home court advantage in the first round. And I think we both like right. the chances in the first round if they get home court. But maybe let's let's do that as another prediction. Are they going to win a first round series? Yes, they will. Uh, I mean, let's let's actually look at who they might be up against. If, if it stopped right now, they would be facing the Spurs. And as weird as it is to say, like, I don't even have to think about that twice. I'm able to to glide through that. Um, this is not the same Spurs team in any way, shape, or form that we've seen in the past. Um, not that they totally glide through that, but I don't think there's any question that they would win that. Um, down from there, they're, they're only one game ahead of the Clippers. Again, I don't even think the Clippers are necessarily going to be there after this trade deadline um, where they ditched some players, um, you know, sent sent Tobias Harris away. Um, you know, from there, it's the Kings. Man, the Lakers are going to be hard pressed even to make the playoffs. I think we we've got all those guys. Only only scary um, position might be if the Jazz end up in, in the seventh or sixth seed, and we're in the second or third. Um, I think I think that's a real matchup right there. Again, I think the Nuggets have it, but I think that's a real matchup. Um, and then of course the Rockets. If somehow we wind up playing them, uh, that would be terrible. Yeah, that's <laughs> that what would be that that would be. The only condition I could see us not winning the first round series. Yeah, I I think they win a first round series, too, because as we both said, we both think that they're going to have home court advantage. They've been so good at home. They've been the best team in the NBA at home 
this year. Um, So that's going to give them a a big edge in a first round series with the exception of the Rockets. If they, if they end up finishing like third or fourth and the Rockets finish sixth or fifth and they have to play the Rockets, um, I'm going to, I'm going to have a tough time picking the Nuggets in that, in that series. They really struggle with Harden. Um, a lot of, a lot of teams do, but that's a really bad matchup for them. Um, Utah would be tough. Portland would be a little less tough, I think. Um, but also still a tough series, but I think the Nuggets can take both of those teams, but I think it's likely we don't see either of those teams. I think Portland's going to probably finish in the top, uh, four or five. And I think, yeah, I think the Spurs and the Lakers are wins for the Nuggets. Um, I think, or yeah, Sacramento. I mean, you start going to the into the bottom half. Clippers, Clippers, Kings. I, I don't think there's there's a problem there. And the Lakers with LeBron are. I mean, that's going to be a tough series. I think if the Nuggets end up matching up, if they get the second seed, and let's say the Lakers are able to to pull up to the seventh seed, I think that series is going to go like six or seven. Um, I think it's going to be I, I'll want to think that it's going to be an easy series. I don't I don't have a lot of faith in the Lakers young players right now, and they do not play defense. Um, right. So I, I, I think that I'll think that it's going to be an easy series, but I have a feeling that it'll probably be like a six or seven game series. But the that the, they still would pull. Right. That out. I, I agree with you there. I, I, get, I give the Nuggets the win in that. But if I'm really thinking about it, it is a scary position to be in. And I think it will be hard fought till the end. So when the Nuggets get to the playoffs, which is pretty much inevitable at this point, what will their starting five be? Uh, again, I'm the original lineup maximalist here. I And I'm trying to look at this not from my own perspective, but from management's because I'm not going to decide what the starting five are. Management is management and Malone. So um, another another. Th- point that I haven't brought up yet and why this is the five that will probably be going forward is because they need to see, they need to see more here. They need more data on this five. They have a lot of questions coming up in this off season and especially the off season after that. And, and they need some answers here. We know there was no question who the starting five were going into this season. We know we knew that Malone felt that way. We knew that Tim Conley felt that way. And sure enough, the money says the exact same thing. These are the guys who are paid. These are the guys with contracts. Will Barton didn't get a one-year contract. Let's see how he does. Let's Or a two-year contract. He got a three-year contract with money behind it. They, they wanted to bring Barton into the picture and see what they had with him in the starting lineup. So, so we need more data is the reason, one more reason why I think this is the starting five. We need to see what the healthy version of these five guys looks like so that we can make decisions going forward into the future. Hot take incoming. Isaiah Thomas is going to be in the starting five when they hit the playoffs. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, let me say real quick. If that ends up being the case, I think it's going to be because Isaiah Thomas is absolutely on fire and that would be an incredible thing to see. But please go ahead. I just think so IT is Malone's boy. That's why he brought him in. He's got playoff experience, deep playoff experience. He was an MVP candidate. I think he's going to have an edge, a confidence, the type of sort of gritty player 
who can create his own shot when the defense or when the offense breaks down who you're going to want on the court in the playoffs as well as Monte has played through the course of the season. Um, he's still a really young player and the playoffs is a, it's just a totally different monster. And I think we're really going to see who Malone trusts once we get there. Um, and I, I, I think it's going to be less about at that point, building for the future. I mean, I don't think you go into a playoff series thinking, well, I want to get our young guys a bunch of minutes so that, so that we can, we can build for something next year. I mean, that's something that will come out of it. But I think when you go into the playoffs, you go into win. Like if they're the second seed, they're going to be trying to win. And I think Malone's going to go with whatever lineup he thinks it gives him the best chance to win. And I think when the, when push comes to shove, he's going to trust Isaiah Thomas over Monte Morris um, maybe over uh, some of his other young young guards, and so I think we're going to see him get the bulk of the minutes of point guard, which means we move. Yeah, you're not even talking about Murray and Harris. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> you're saying you trust him more than Monte. You're, no, uh, yeah. So what does that mean about Harris and Murray? I think Murray. I think the starting starting five is it Murray, Harris, Millsap, Jokic, and I think we see Barton off the bench because Harris I just, as a I small don't think, forward. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I swear, I, I think you're watching water polo instead of basketball. This is so crazy. This is the hottest take I might have heard all year. Spicy. Oh, where is Lad spicy. To, to, to somehow top you with something? This is spicy. Oh, wow. But I think at that okay. point, these are going to be their five best players. They can... All we're talking about is, can Harris play small forward, uh, small forward over Barton? You've already heard my thoughts on Barton. Uh, unless Barton really turns things around then I think Malone's going to say, look, I'm just going to put Harris in. He gives up two inches, but he plays better defense than Barton, and I can trust him more. So there's my starting five. Here's why I agree and disagree with you. I agree with you that he's going to go with the five who have the best chance to win. I disagree with you that that's IT, because as wonderful and impressive as IT's history is, there's also one solid exclamation point at the end of it. The guy is not a playoff championship winner. It just doesn't work. Again, he is an odd shaped Tetris piece. Do you know who He's else? Extremely sharp at. Do you know who else hasn't won a championship on the Nuggets? Every other player. <laughs> Everybody. Right. <laughs> right. But the, there's a point here. <laughs> Sorry. The point is that Isaiah Thomas is five foot eight. I hate to say it. The guy will never win a championship because he's five foot eight. At we're least not, not as a starter. We're not trying to win a championship this year. That's not the goal. The goal is to win a first round series. I think they are. Really? The, That's the a hot take. Oh my goodness. That's a hot take. You think they can take. win a championship not that this IT's year? going to start, but that they're good. That they're trying to win a championship? That they have a legit. Exactly. And you win that one game at a time. So you. Of course, that's his goal. You, th- you think that that Malone? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Malone. You always go back. No, no. I'm saying, I think Malone wants to put the best team on the court that he can, and he wants to win every game. Yeah, he wants to that's win. A, yeah, right. right. So of course, Malone's he, goal. I mean, every team's goal in the grand scheme of things is to win a championship. But everyone knows that nobody's winning the championship this year from the West unless it's the Warriors. And and the reason why IT has that exclamation point at the at the end of his record 
is because he was going up against the Cavs. Three out of the four playoff series that he had ended at the feet of the Cavs. And the reality is when you're going up against Kyrie Irving and Eamon Schumpert, you just... you. you it's just a different situation. That's something you can't overcome. One of the differences between playoff basketball and regular season basketball is that the strengths and the weaknesses are exaggerated. And the fact that IT is five foot eight is that's a weakness that can't be overcome. And when he when he goes up against bigger guards, it's just it's never going to work out. Not in a seven game series. Maybe in one game where he's able to pull some magic. He's on a hot game. The other guy's on an off game. You can win those, but a seven game series you can't. And so me seeing it as the the starting guard for the Nuggets to me that just spells disaster. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I kind of feel like you're talking about like hypotheticals like yeah do i would i choose to have a 5-8 point guard as my starting point guard for a playoff series no i'd rather have a taller point guard obviously but these are also like human beings and isaiah thomas has a certain skill set that makes him very valuable he's a guy that can get his own shot he's a guy that can get hot and knock down three or four threes in a row and in a certain series that could be really useful and 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 it's not even it's not even just his his play on the court, but just his leadership. I mean, I, I think in the playoffs when things start to get really tough and an offense just isn't working and things get ugly and guys have to just sort of create, uh, you know, a tough shot for themselves. I think in under those conditions, I think we see players like Barton break down. I think we're going to we're going to see their limitations um, and we're going to see players like Isaiah Thomas be able to to step up and get big shots when they need them. And and hopefully Jamal Murray is one of those guys too. I I have high hopes that the playoffs might bring out the best of Jamal Murray um, because it seems like he performs better when the pressure is, is cranked up a little bit and when the competition's cranked up a little bit. Um, but these are big unknowns. I mean, I mean, for sure. I just, I, I have a feeling and look, this is a, Total guess. I have no idea. We've seen one game from Isaiah Thomas. Um, he had a couple of big shots in that game. He had some some bad plays too. I mean, he was he's obviously still rusty, and we don't know how how his health will hold up. But I just have a feeling when push comes to shove, uh, there's going to be a core of guys that Malone trusts in a playoff series, and I have a feeling it is going to be one of those guys. Everything that you just all the positives you just said about it, I think if you would have removed his name could have easily been replaced with the name Russell Westbrook, which is an argument that I know you understand. He's one of these guys where as high as the floor is, what this guy can bring in the midst of any opposition, his ceiling just isn't that much higher. And that's 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 why the Thunder was never able to win a, right, a championship. This and is, that's why Isaiah Thomas is never going to be able to w- lead a team to a championship. Yeah, I, or, or through the playoffs. No, you're absolutely that. right. Through I'm not. Playoffs. I'm not talking about this as a long term solution. I'm talking about the team as currently constructed, and and with Jamal the Murray, players playing Gary the Harris. way they are currently playing. Yeah, I mean, I no, I know those guys should be on the court too. They should be starting and getting the majority of of minutes of guard. But, but Will Barton at the three gives you this. That's what this really comes down to. Second best. 
that's what this really comes this down defense. to is I would rather I would rather have Isaiah Thomas on the floor probably I talk to me in two months from now but I have a feeling I would it's, rather have Isaiah Thomas on the floor than Will Barton yes that's like pretty much what this comes down to they, it, to me that's a uh, that's a strategy that's based on hoping rather than actually uh, strategizing you're hoping that as edged as that lineup is that you're going to draw a matchup that that edge actually fits. I don't see why you think, why do you think Barton is such a superior small forward option than Gary Harris? Look at that Celtics team. It's you're actually almost completely copying what that losing Celtics team was. Yeah, no, I'm I, like, again, I'm not saying this is the long-term plan is to have it as your starting point guard. I'm saying this season, when we go into the playoffs with a bunch of young guys, and you've got Isaiah Thomas there, who's been a pro for years, who's a great leader, and who has been deep into the playoffs a number of times. I have a feeling he's going to be on the court a lot. That's essentially what so I'm saying. I, I think I can peel this back to a more common ground, that the lineup that they go in with will be the lineup that proves to succeed at the end of this season. Because I think if they don't try that lineup with IT, Murray, and Harris – by the end of the season that there's you would agree that we're not going to see that in the playoffs either right yeah yeah they would definitely have to be doing it a couple of weeks ahead of time right so 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 i think we can boil this down a little bit easier peel it back to the success that we'll see over the next month or two and and what causes that and and again we go back to um they're going into their original lineup again there's there's a I think a good chance I this isn't based on any reports, but the good chance that Harris is back by the end of the break, maybe not even starting at first, but should be back on the court playing after the all-star break. We're this close to being back to the original lineup that we had. And I, I don't think, I don't think they're going to pull that right now. So yeah, I, agree I think we'll see. We'll we'll see whether I'm right right or wrong I'm, here. I'm actually fine um, with them running with the OG lineup for a while. I I don't necessarily have a problem with that at all. I mean, I, I am curious to see what that lineup does after right. a so month. So if that fails, yeah, then you're right. That changes everything. And that's what I'm predicting. Is I'm predicting it's going to fail because I don't think Barton is going to is going to come back this year. I I just I don't see I like it. it. So we just boiled it all down. Right. You just you just said it. I've said it. All boiled down. <laughs> Uh, we'll have to bring this up in what, maybe three episodes from now. That'll be six weeks from now. Yeah. And see where we're at then. Yep. And I will say for the record that I hope I'm wrong about this prediction. I would like Barton to step up and be the player that you envision him being that you, that this and being able to, well, to the fill the role that you the want opportunity. He needs the opportunity and he can't do that on the bench. take good take so colin coward makes his way into bad take good take this week with his (laughs) i'm gonna say it bad take that the nuggets are the fifth or worse best roster in the western conference right so so the phrasing that that you're referring to is he uh he's apparently a lakers fan and uh (laughs) 
pointed out the uh, the only rosters in the NBA that are better than the Lakers, and the Nuggets weren't on that. So the Nuggets, in his mind, are worse than the Lakers. The roster is worse than the Lakers, and in his mind, the Lakers are eighth. So, and up fourth in the West. So, what does everybody think? Are, are the Nuggets the fifth or worst team in the West? I mean, what about you? To me, this comes down to. Okay, are they better than the Lakers? Um, objectively, yes. I don't even understand an argument that would argue that a team that's 10th in the West right now, that's three games behind the Sacramento Kings for the eighth seed, is better than the second seed. Um, I don't care that LeBron James missed 13, 16 games, whatever it, it, whatever it was. Um, even if he had played those games, they're still probably the seventh seed. Right now, um, their young core is not nearly as good as the Nuggets young core. Kyle Kuzma is probably their best young player. Um, I would I would probably take I don't know. I mean, you could argue Beasley's had a better season for sure. He's had a better stretch of, of two months, three, two, three months. Monte Morris is probably better. Jamal Murray is probably better. Um, Gary Harris is probably better <laughs> than their best young player. Um, Lonzo Ball can't shoot. Josh Hart's been super inconsistent. Um, they have Rajon Rondo, Rondo uh, as their what kind of gritty um, veteran player or something. But, um, you know, Rondo is what he is. Can't shoot. Um, I'm not sure really what the argument is other than the fact that LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. But I mean, are we even sure that LeBron is fully committed this year? I mean, I've heard Lakers fans. This year changed me. It changed my mind. I I think this is the year that you can, you can start to say he's not the best player in the NBA. Really? Yeah. I, I, and I think it's, it'll probably be more of like a looking back thing, you know, three years from now um, where it's clear that he's not the best people Mm -hmm. look back and they're like, yeah, right around Right around there when he went to the Lakers, just uh, it, it got hard to say. But that's I mean, a hard thing to give up on, especially when you're national media. If you have something consistent that you can consistently say is right and you've been doing it for 10 years, that's a hard thing to uh, – a golden egg that you keep laying. That's a hard thing to move on from. But the, I think this will be the year that they they look back on and say it was the year. I mean, I love the idea that the Lakers are never good with LeBron. <laughs> like This would yeah. be really enjoyable to me that they got LeBron and then they couldn't get any other free agents to come in. And LeBron started on the downside of his career as soon as he came to L.A. Yeah. Just whether it's because of injuries or whatever. Um, I would really enjoy that. And I'm hoping I am hoping we get one year here at least where the Lakers don't even make the playoffs or they, you know, they get in the eighth seed. and They get swept by the Warriors and. LeBron's going off on his this young might, players in the first round. This might be the, the only chance for that. You know, they might get a superstar. Um, yeah. And that that would change it. Um, so this is the chance to really root for against the Lakers because um, they're going to be hard-pressed to make it this season. Um, and there's nothing at this point, trade deadline passed, there's nothing they can do about that. Yeah, I just don't see uh, – I think the better – What they did to team chemistry through the Anthony Davis debacle – to um, so I mean, Magic Johnson had to call a, a team meeting with them to basically apologize to all their fragile young players. You had you had Lonzo Ball's dad coming out, like calling out LeBron, like say, saying he's not the best oh, player anymore. I mean, there was all. Yeah, it just it caused all kinds of drama 
on that team. Um, and then they didn't even get Anthony Davis and they still might not get him next year. They probably won't have him next year. Yeah. Um, and, and you're going to be another year later for LeBron. So I, yeah, I just don't, any argument that just because the Lakers have LeBron James, that they're the fifth best team, fourth best team in the West is absurd to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's completely ridiculous. If you have such a good roster, then why did you just try and trade the entire roster away? Right. (laughs) Obviously there's not talent there. I think the better question of which rosters are better than Lakers is when is it time for magic to decide to start tanking? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the free agent, the, the, the trades aren't working out for you. Who knows if free agency w- works out for you. It sure didn't last off season um, other than LeBron, obviously. But um, you know, when you get to the point where having a, a quality pick in this draft really means a lot to you. Um, this is a good hot take. Uh, actually, should the Lakers be sitting LeBron James for the rest of the season? I mean, really, yeah. honestly, what do they have to look forward to? At the right. most, let's I, say they get lucky. Let's say they get, let's say they go on an absolute tear for the second half or the the last two months, and they they can squeak up into the sixth spot or the seventh spot. They're probably losing in the first round, even if they got a super favorable matchup and somehow could pull out of the first round. They're not winning the second round. I mean, what's the point? Yeah, I. Two two things strike me there. Um, one is that that can't happen because <laughs> they don't have the the talent to do that. But the second is um, this. Uh, well, actually, here's the real two points. One is that this draft is a little bit, I think, shaky. In um, honestly, <laughs> after Zion, so uh, I I I would understand that they might not have a lot to gain by jumping up five or six spots um, in this draft. And then second of all, it's interesting. This is the Lakers don't build through draft. That's kind of never been their model. And they are a team that looks, looks to explode free agency and looks to pressure trades and things like that. And this era in the NBA, this is a really cool thought to me. It might be at the point where that is not a model for success anymore. The, the the teams now like the Nuggets, like the Sixers, um, are where you're able to build enough momentum to get quality players on your team through the draft. Um, that that the Milwaukee Bucks, you know that that might be more the way to go. Um, so it might might not just be that they're not talented enough, but that their entire model for how to be talented enough can't make it. Yeah, and they they might underestimate too how much free agents want to play with LeBron James. Um, I've heard from a number of NBA players just on interviews and podcasts and things over the last like year or two that, you know, it's not like everybody is like breaking down the door to play with LeBron James. He brings a lot of baggage to a team and there is a lot of complication for other NBA players. uh, I mean, first and foremost is that you can't, be the team leader. I mean, if you're on LeBron's team, he runs the show. He calls the shots. He decides who's on the team, who's not on the team. He decides who's coaching, who's not coaching, how many minutes people are getting. I mean, we know the stories about the control that he had in Cleveland. Um, and he, he just brings that kind of, um, moxie and that, and that dominance over a team that a lot of superstars just don't want to play with. They don't want to put up with that stuff. And, we saw that. I mean, Paul George 
by all accounts was going to LA and he chose to stay in OKC, something that baffled the national media because everybody just sort of has this assumption that like going to a big market is what all NBA players want. Like everybody just wants to play in like New York and LA because those are the major media markets, but that's not the case. Um, these guys are individuals and not everybody wants that kind of spotlight and not everybody wants to play with LeBron James. So Will they probably get another big free agent or two? Yeah, probably. They'll probably get Anthony Davis in two years or a year and a half um, unless something else uh, crazy happens. But by that point, it might be too late. Um, A 36, 37-year-old LeBron James with Anthony Davis might not be enough in the West to get him over the hump. So I don't know know what Coward's talking about. Um, I think probably just doesn't watch that much basketball. that's all we have for you thank you for listening to the dig you can follow us on twitter at the dig denver you can follow jeremy on twitter as well what's your handle jeremy it's at jeremy poley super complicated p-o-l-e-y yeah i guess that's a complicated part we'll be back with you after the all-star break